If uh, our congregation seems a little light, I'm sure there are many who are celebrating with the Hiltons right now as they're doing the filming of their, what is it called? It's called um, Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition. Yeah, so if it looks a little light in here, we're celebrating uh, with the Hiltons, but today, right now, we're going to continue in worship. So let's do that. Lord Almighty, we give you glory. We give you praise that you are Lord. And God, as has already been prayed, direct our hearts to you this morning so that we can hear your word and bring glory to your name uh, as we uh, hear about this particular promise, this particular gift that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A particularly ornery set of twins has been a valued part of my life. I met the first of these twins on a Saturday, a little more than seven years ago, with his wife and was warned that there was another twin waiting for me to meet. The following evening, Annika, the wife of the first twin, walked up to meet me with Ron, the second twin. Now, the reason this is important is because I remembered two bits of valuable information. The first one was what Rob, Annika's husband, looked like and that he had a twin. This was, my, this was key in my ability to get his name quickly uh, after making the small mistake. But that's nothing, right? I mean... All of us, every one of us in here has excellent memories when it comes to people's names because whenever we meet somebody, we take the time to repeat their names to make sure that we got it. Right? Bueller, Bueller. What would be really surprising is to remember the future. Remember what is going to happen. And today, we are going to learn to do exactly that. And we don't need Doc Brown to build us a custom DeLorean. Don't be shocked. This is nothing new. The Bible, my friends, is full of reasons why you should and is full of tools to enable you to remember the future. Because for years, from this pulpit, you have heard sermons exhorting you to remember the future as we have preached about baptism and communion, as we've preached about Christmas and Easter, and all these ceremonies are built-in mnemonics that God has given us so that we will remember what is to come as well as what has happened in the past. And so today, we are going to foray onto another bit of holy ground. Today we are going to look at the Sabbath and we're going to see why you and I probably should think differently than we have in the past about this gracious gift of God. And throughout today's sermon, I am going to exhort us to do as Moses commanded 3,500 years ago, and that is to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Now let's begin with the passage that uh, God used to make it a law for his people to keep. The first blank on your uh, notes will be participate with God creatively. And I'm going to read 
Exodus 20, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made all the heavens and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now the very first thing that you should notice here, next slide, is that there are two commands. The first is to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And the second is six days you shall labor and do all your work. It is a two-pronged command. Remember the Sabbath and work six days. One of my favorite former preachers, G. Campbell Morgan, said, He who never works is unfitted for worship. And he who never pauses to worship is rendered incapable of work. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But what do we make today of this command, you shall not work on the Sabbath? Much ink has been spilled on this topic. Pastor Bryn McPhee sanely helps us to remember that Sabbath keeping helps us by reminding us that you and I are incapable of providing for ourselves. If we are to feast spiritually, God must provide the manna. And then he continues, The Sabbath is a time of grace. Breathe that just for a moment. It's not legalism. It's not regulation. The Sabbath is a time of grace. For where human work ceases, God's work continues. Far from being a dry duty or an oppressive obligation, the Sabbath is a delight. The Sabbath is a feasting on that which is eternal. Don't miss this. That which is eternal rather than a scrambling after the ephemeral success. After the success that lasts for a day and is gone. And it's this ephemeral, this day-lasting success that we think will grant us permanent happiness. What kind of fools are we, right? Instead of trying to create our own security, we must return to worship the one who is our security. Why should we not do work on the Sabbath? Well, other than the obvious reason, because God said so. It's because the Sabbath is a day that you and I can participate with God creatively. Now, I need to take a moment. I'm going to stop preaching and I'm going to get into meddling just for a moment. On whatever day it is that you choose to celebrate the Sabbath, remember what Sinclair Ferguson said, man is not to work but to rest. Externally, that means ceasing from ordinary tasks in order to meet, in order to meet with God. Internally, it involves ceasing from all self-sufficiency in order to rest in God's grace. 
If it means nothing else, if it means nothing else, it means that you and I ought to make worship a priority, a first-rung thing that we need to do. What lessons are we teaching our children if we allow them to make every conceivable event more important than gathering to worship with their church family? I am all for sports and concerts and all other kinds of activities. Believe me, I've paid enough money and time to soccer and tennis and other things. But if we make soccer and tennis and baseball and these things more important than worship, gathering with the body of Christ, what are we communicating to our next generation? Now listen, the point is not some pharisaical limiting your walking to 1,200 steps or to not pushing uh, elevator buttons. The point is that you you intentionally join with God. Might there be exceptions? Might there be a state championship on a Sunday? Perhaps. Ought you to plan thoroughly and carefully to make Worship a first love? Definitely. You may want to consider this for your midweek fellowship time as well. Okay, okay. Enough of meddling. Let's get back to preaching. Here in Exodus chapter 20, the command to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, is tied to the fact of creation. You and I are to identify with God in his act of creation and rest. We too are given the privilege of creating and resting. Now, in part, because I'm not a farmer by trade, one of the best ways that I have celebrated the Sabbath over the years is by going out in my garden and taking care of my garden. It is entirely different work than pastoral, I'll guarantee you. Is it work? Probably. Is it creative and does it help me to focus on the God who makes the plants grow? Definitely. Are you into creating woodwork? Are you into creating uh, whatever all those needle things are? Jeez, they come up with a different name. Crocheting is not knitting, is not, I don't know, I don't know what, whatever they are. Do that because you're creating. You're participating with the Lord God in creativity. Find a way to join with your creator one day a week in creating and by forsaking the work that emphasizes my self-sufficiency. And you will be trusting this particular promise of God for you in Christ. And your life will be significantly better. Furthermore, you will be enabled to remember this active participation with God and creativity all week long. You will be remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. So the first purpose of keeping the Sabbath is to participate with God creatively. The second purpose of the Sabbath is to liberate from slavery. I take this from Deuteronomy 5 where Moses gives us the the same command 
but he ends it differently. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In the restatement here of the command to keep the Sabbath holy, first and foremost, the Sabbath is tied to the redemption of, from slavery that, that Israel experienced. Clearly, Moses wanted you and I to understand that the, tie, the Sabbath is tied inexorably to the liberation from various kinds of slavery. Now, I want to pause another time. Let me mention quickly, because I would be remiss if I did not, that actual, literal slavery is alive and well in the United States and all over the world. Click on the internet. Find out some organizations that you can participate in, finding out how you can help eliminate this scourge. Our own Chet Harder sister works in this area in Thailand so that girls and young women can escape the slavery of the sex trade. Maybe there is something you can do. Think about it on your next Sabbath. But I think the biblical tie here specifically is to Jesus and our own redemption from the slave market to, to sin that each and every successive Sabbath that we experience will remind us how we have been freed so that we can also help others. But I think that there are at least two other ways that you and I are enslaved on a daily basis that I think are apropos. Slavery to work and slavery to busyness. J.D. Walt comments, The Sabbath rhythm teaches us to rest from the hard work of our lives, that we may be reintroduced to freedom. The Sabbath relativizes the works of mankind because, don't miss this, the essence of mankind is not work. Men, we are not our jobs. It is not who we are. Now, I get it. We tend to identify ourselves with our work. And that is a major reason why you and I, especially men, but women as well, need the Sabbath to remind us that our essence is not what we do. If much of the work that we do emphasizes my self-sufficiency, my ability to take care of my needs, if much of the work we do emphasizes this because we effectively forget God, we effectively become atheists in our regular thinking by pushing God away, then our addiction, our slavery to busyness emphasizes our need to impress those around us with our importance. Have you ever felt 
like you needed to look busy so that people would think that you're an important man or you're an important woman. Even pastors, believe it or not, even pastors might even emphasize their busyness by doing many things in contradiction to Jesus' command not to do things so as to be seen by others. Man, we live in a sick and twisted world, don't we? But that is not all. At times, your over-busyness and mine reflects an avoidance of the things that we know we ought to do. We excuse our sinful inactivity by our over-activity on things that we really probably should forget. The Sabbath is a beautiful promise is a wonderful promise of God to solve my need to impress those around me or my tendency to avoid my chores by doing all of these busy things. The Sabbath is a wonderful grace to calm my heart and to show that my identity is not wrapped up in what I do for a living or in how busy I am. Because my value does not come from others' opinions of me, not because they are impressed, but a person's identity and his value is found in the fact that Jesus loved us and he died for us while we were yet sinners. My friends, you and I need to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So what are the three purposes of the Sabbath? The first one is we need to participate with God creatively. The second one is we liberate from slavery. And the third one we're going to find in the New Testament, and that is to contemplate eternity. You see, the Sabbath is designed to help us, to enable us to creatively join Him based on the Exodus 20 passage. And it's designed to actively liberate from slavery based upon the Deuteronomy 5 passage. And here in the Matthew passage, we will begin to see how we are to use the Sabbath to contemplate eternity. And I take this from Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for him to eat, or those who are with him, but only for the priests? Or... Have you not read in the law how the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath? Can you imagine having to butcher a whole bunch of animals one day a week? That's work. They profane the Sabbath and are guiltless. And here's the point. I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This means that He has the authority to fulfill 
the Sabbath and to add a significant purpose to it. You see, the Sabbath remains a reminder of the creative activity and rest from activity of God, and it remains a reminder of the former slavery of the people of God in Egypt. And now it has become a reminder of the future, a reminder of what is to come to every single man, woman, and child who trusts in the promises of God for him in Christ. And that is that we will one day have a future rest that will be far apart from avoidance, that will be far apart from identifying ourselves with our work. But in this particular story of Matthew 12, Jesus' concern with the Pharisees was that they're mishandling the Scripture. His point in telling the story about David is that if what David had been doing wrong, if what he had, was doing was wrong, the Scripture would have said it. I mean, the Scripture was not shy about telling about the sins of anybody who was around. And David himself got blasted by God's Word on at least a few occasions. And then, Jesus' point in telling about the priests in the temple was to nail the point home. And that point only makes sense if we have verse 6. And verse 6 says, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. Jesus' servants... I'm going to say those who were walking with him that day and those of his servants who are walking with him today. Jesus' servants are not bound by the ceremonial laws of keeping the Sabbath because they are serving the one who is greater than the temple, the one who is greater than the Sabbath. Furthermore, the narrowness of the interpretation by the Pharisees defeated the overall purpose of the law. And that was verse 7. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not temple worship, not uh, legalistic keeping of the Sabbath. If you had known that I desire mercy, you would not have condemned the guiltless. But that was not all. In Mark's version of the good news, he adds a sentence to his version of the story that made it relevant to non-Jews, which is, I assume, most of us. Look what Mark added here. He said, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Lord, Son of Man, is Lord of the Sabbath. My friends, The Sabbath is made for refreshment, not regulation. And one more time out. If you miss everything else I say today, I want to encourage you now to begin thinking about how you can participate in the Sabbath with your family. But don't get caught up on regulations. The way that you put it into practice may look entirely different than the way I do. The Sabbath is made for refreshment, not regulation. It, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, 
I want to quickly make one point. It is commonly assumed, especially by good Baptists, that because Jesus does not repeat the words of Moses, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, it's commonly assumed because he does not say that, that Christians are, quote-unquote, freed from keeping the Sabbath. Let me say with no uncertainty that is not the case. We are freed from keeping the ceremonial aspect of keeping the Sabbath. But verse 27 here, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, tells us that there is no freedom from the Sabbath. The Sabbath is freedom and mercy and grace and joy. In my mind, Pastor Bryn McPhail said it best, the Sabbath is not mandatory for the Christian, but it is necessary. In my opinion, this is my opinion exactly, you will not, in this life, get past the need to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And when we do this, we will remember the future. And the verse that we read at the beginning of the service, Hebrews 4.9, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. When you remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy, you are anticipating, you are preparing, you are remembering what glorious hope you have in the future. A real Sabbath rest that will, by the way, include work. But work that will never forget the living God because you will always be in his presence. And it is this very remembering of the future that will help you all week to remember that glorious rest that is coming when you take that one day of the week to remember. Now, as you know, in one sermon, it is hardly possible to cover all that ought to be covered when discussing the biblical teaching of the Sabbath. And I certainly don't pretend to have done this this morning. So I've held myself to the three purposes. And those three purposes, just to reiterate them, are to participate with God creatively, to liberate from slavery, and to contemplate eternity. But now I want to help you in a very short amount of time to start, begin thinking through how is it that you can start celebrating, developing your own Sabbath tradition with a heart full of grace and joy and peace and love instead of some legalism. So let's begin by learning to sing to the Lord a new song. Begin your Sabbath tradition by singing. Now, if you are in this congregation, hopefully you've never heard me sing. But if you're in my family or in my house, you've heard me sing many times. Yes, to the lament of my son, who is now laughing back there at his dad. Begin to learn to sing a new song by starting with Psalm 92. Psalm 92 says in the title, a song for the Sabbath. Or you can use it to make you think of other things that you could sing about. Sing about things that will make the Lord happy about what you're thinking about. Or simply look around and give thanks about what's around you. But the point is to sing. Come on, Chet, you owe me an amen. There we go. 
sing because there is joy in your heart or sing till you have joy in your heart. Sing because you know that God is glorious or sing until your heart feels that God is glorious. Sing because you are thankful for any blessing or sing until your heart cannot be still because it's remembering so many blessings. Begin your Sabbath traditions by faking it if you have to. Because that is not hypocrisy. It's sanity. It is using the divinely given means to draw your own heart to God. Sing to the Lord a new song. Second point, make your time special. Moses says in Exodus 31, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Because... Keeping my Sabbaths is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Why? That you may know that I, the Lord God, sanctify you. In the spirit of the creativity we talked about at the beginning of the message, set time during the week to be creative on how you will spend your time on whatever day you remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Allow the fact that your love for God is guiding you. Your love for God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Let this love boil up and out so people see that you are different because you are keeping in a very significant, very significant but subtle way, you remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. When you take the time to make your Sabbath time special, people will notice Because the Lord will be sanctifying you. He will be making you more and more holy. Sing to the Lord a new song. Make your time special. And consider. Think about. Take time to actually cogitate on how to be thoughtful and giving. Another way to say the same thing is avoid being careless or selfish. And one of the most important passages in the whole Bible on keeping the Sabbath, Isaiah says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, you don't do the Sabbath. From doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath the delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasures or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. My friends, that is a promise. That is a promise. Go back. It's in your notes. Go back to Isaiah 58 and think about what he's saying there. But Pastor Bryn quotes, and he's quoting several people. So I decided to just throw it all together so we can read it. Marva Dawn is uh, the author of another book on the Sabbath. Marva Dawn maintains that one of the reasons for refraining from buying or selling on the Sabbath days is that it puts the focus on all the wrong things. Buying and selling, Dawn argues, causes us to think about what we want, what I've just got to have, instead of what God wants. On a day which we should be longing for the presence of God, buying and selling inevitably causes possessions to dominate our desires. Like Abraham Heschel wrote 
Don argues that the Sabbath, we embrace time instead of space, people instead of things. Now I'll tell you, yesterday, my wife and I were at Osh right up the corner here because we bought a handful of plants and I needed a, a thing to go around my tomatoes. Is that contrary to what she's saying? Well, if it is, so be it. I'm not a legalist. But we were doing something. We were buying something so that we can celebrate seeing God bring life out of the ground around us. I'm not saying don't buy, don't sell. What I'm saying is, is turn your heart to the Lord and when you find your delight in Him, the Sabbath will be a delight. It will not be a burden. Amazing! Isn't it? It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he gave us his various commands. Oh, but we don't want to get all radical, do we? Sing to the Lord a new song. Make your time special. Consider how to be thoughtful and giving. And above all, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Ask God to help you to meditate on each of these underlined words. Ask God then to help you act on your meditations. This is a prayer request that God has obliged himself to answer. You can trust him to do so. Now, I want to add to this because um, tomorrow morning, I will be beginning my sabbatical. I have been working here for seven years now, a little bit more than seven years. And the elders have been very gracious to me in offering a sabbatical. Now, a sabbatical is not a Sabbath. The sabbatical is a special gift, as I said, from the elders to my family, so that we will be better equipped to serve the family at Grace. But that means for the next two months, I will not work here at Grace. Um, I will be spending the majority of my time working on my doctorate. One of you here has been so gracious as to loan me some office space so that I can get away from my office at home and so I can get away from my office here and concentrate. Now, whether you know this or not, and I'd be happy to talk to any of you about it, my doctorate has an immediate application to my ministry here at Grace and has, in fact, since September 2010 when I began. The design of my school has been to benefit my work here, but this sabbatical means I will not be answering the phone, and I may not answer every email. Please do not think that this means I am ignoring you, nor does it mean that I am above getting encouraging emails and notes from you guys from time to time. I will thoroughly enjoy them even if I do not respond to them. Nor does it mean I'm above bumping into you guys and talking because you are my family, you are my friends. But it does mean that I'm not going to be doing a lot of pastoral duties for the next two months. So please do not be offended if I don't make an effort to bump into you. I plan instead to be very busy during the day working. And then I plan not to be very busy while I'm with my family in the evening. And hopefully we'll come back uh, more willing and able to serve with you and for you and through you. Uh, for much time to come. Let's pray. God, we need your Sabbath. 
We need to get rid of a legalistic vision of it, and we need for your spirit to give us a real good vision of it, one that will empower us, one that will refresh us, one that will enable us and equip us to do good for your kingdom. Bless us, Jesus, as we look to you who is the author of our rest so that we can participate with you in that rest. Give us, Lord, the Sabbath in our hearts so that we can glorify you all of our days. And for all of us, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. Amen.